0: Welcome to Wise and Nice, a true crime podcast with your hosts, Danny Armstrong and Kelly Lee. Please remember that we mean no disrespect to anyone mentioned in this episode or across any of the Wise and Nice platforms. We have an interest in true crime and related topics, and whilst we may offer our own personal views on certain items, it is meant to be educational and as lighthearted as possible. The information we present is collated from research gathered from the internet and we reference and credit our sources wherever possible.
1: If you've liked what you've heard and want to join in with us, follow us on our socials, Instagram, Wives and Knives the Pod, Twitter, at Knives Wives, and Facebook, Wives and Knives Pod. We also have a little website where we post photographs and other information about the cases that we research, and this is wivesandknives.wixsite.com forward slash my site. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, I'm edition, <laughs> of Lives and Knives. Hello everybody. Hope you're all well out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like summer's hit us here.
0: Yeah, a, a little, little bit. Flow, I mean, the weather.
1: right now it's not, but generally it's definitely getting more summery, which mm. is nice. I've started thinking of things I'm going to do in the summer, so I hope you're all feeling these nice sort of... Summer vibes, yeah. I mean, Did you not want to say vibes? No,
0: I didn't want to say vibes. Why, what's wrong with vibes?
1: Nothing. I feel like it's overused mm, possibly. and it, it's, it's not the best in descriptor. True, I think it's lazy, right? It's often used when there could have been a better, more.
0: Oh, you can tell someone was at a literary festival yesterday, can't you? I
1: was, anyway. Um, how are you?
0: i'm good thanks yeah i've been busy busy good
1: good um
0: yeah really busy oh i know what i forgot to tell you school disco amazing school disco on the uh, what night was it thursday night um so yeah oh my god right if this is a precursor for beck in prom i want out now because mm-hmm. i bought her a new dress new trainers and then she decided she didn't want to wear the new dress that i bought her and she wanted to wear something else that her one of her nans had bought her which was really cute like a little co set mm. um but she was like gotta do my hair and space buns i've got i need this and i was just like you've literally skinted me for a school disco which is on for an hour um an hour yeah seems awfully short they split it so they did like the younger years together and then when that finished they brought in the older group for like another hour Mm. but an hour was plenty i ended up doing the macarena and super
1: oh you attend as well
0: well not necessarily but as i keep saying the ptfa are trying to like indoctrinate me into the cult so and cassidy was a bit like I think, she, I think it was a bit overwhelming mm. to see everybody there. So she was a bit like clingy, so I was like would well, you want mum to stay for like 10 minutes? And the 10 minutes and the ten that. Minute, and I was, at that point I was like do you know what, might as well stay. And then one of the other mums who I know was like should we do the Macarena? I was like you never have to ask me twice to do the Macarena. So I did and then it was one of those, once I was on I couldn't get off. Wow. Superman. There is going to come a time when she doesn't want you doing that, yeah, and I will relish doing it anyway anyway <laughs> and I'll be like. you remember that time when you woke me up at three a m because there was a spider in your fucking room, payback bitch, payback, amazing, so yeah, um, what else? I had a lovely day yesterday when I was telling you before I went bowling, followed by a bit of mini golf. Brilliant brunch out and then dinner out. Um, so yeah, just ruined by my shitty neighbor singing that fucking song on repeat. No, 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 Ugh, right, anyway, but I'm moving on from that because I don't want any bad vibes. Um, I've got a really funny story, but I don't think I'm going to tell it because I just, i no, I've told you, but you could summarize in like
1: three sentences. Okay. You were at a friend's house. Oh,
0: was at a friend's house who um, went a little bit O.T.T. with some recreational drugs and passed the fuck out, and I had to put them to bed before going home. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot funnier than that, but yeah, for uh, confidentiality reasons and uh, base respect, I'm not going to go any further.
1: Well, I have a story that is particularly funny, and I think crime-related because it's criminal. Um, Last Sunday, one of my friends who's getting married next year um, wanted me to go with her to see a band play in a local pub that she was thinking of maybe hiring for her wedding. Oh, okay. So, it was sort of a bit of a last-minute plan. And she was like, they're on at six. And I was like, okay, hon, but I'll want my tea. And it's shower night. I need to wash my hair. I'm very boring. And um, So I was like, cool, I will go. But I'm only staying till half seven. So there we go. That's how exciting I am on the night out.
0: That's quite early for a band. It what? was quite yeah. early for a band.
1: Well, this is the thing. I was like, I don't want to have tea before that. Because that's too early for my tea. Prime <laughs> tea time. And i was like no i've already planned my sunday night and yeah. it involves like not just a normal shower like, i was gonna shave my legs i was yeah. gonna exfoliate so anyway that's by the by i'm very boring regimented and don't like a changing routine so i managed to squeeze an hour and a half for this bandit anyway so we get there i get a pint of shandy they start playing oasis i am buzzing like <laughs> could not be more perfect for me i love me. a shandy i love a shandy yeah um because I drove. Yeah. I was only going to be there an hour and a half. A shandy is absolutely perfect for me. Anyway, so I'm there having my shandy and opposite us, so probably mm, five feet, of, no, that's the like mm, eight feet away on <laughs> the next table is a group of six. So it's three women and three men. And they probably range in age from 25 to 50. Like, they're just regular grown-ups. Yeah. And they don't seem horrendously drunk in any which way. They just seem a bit merry. But they can all walk. They can all talk. It's not that they were hammered. So please Mm. don't try and excuse their behaviour. Not that being hammered is an excuse for such deplorable behaviour. However... Like, that wasn't why. So, um, the band have done a few songs and then they're having, like, a little break and one of the men from this group has been to the toilet. He comes back and the person who I would assume is his partner and wife, girlfriend, whatever, has got a phone out and she's like, hey, filming him. And he starts doing the music and he like lifts his top up so he's got his tummy out and I like sort of indicate to my friend like watch and we kind of like <laughs> a little bit of a chuckle he got his tummy out whatever that's fine then he gets a nipple out and I'm like <laughs> Um, then he starts to undo his pants, right? And, like, the belt goes... And we think he's there's going to be a point where he stops. Yeah. But he fucking didn't. He whacked his willy out. Oh, no. Like, even at the best, most appropriate at times, the fucking stupid look-it, was, like, inside of a Greg sausage roll just whacked out... <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't believe what I was seeing. But as much as like it sounds like funny now, I was like fucking hell, this is like twenty past six.
0: It's far early. There was children in the pub, like <gasps> it wasn't
1: okay at oh, all. No. Um and they weren't like they weren't like hidden in a corner. Not that that would make it okay either, but The absolute audacity to think that he could do that and it was okay. But luckily for him, it was quick, but it definitely fucking happened. Um, I think there was myself, my friend, everyone that was at his table, and then another guy that was on his own was like, hey, mate, hey, like... Yeah. ...kind of thing. But I don't think any of the staff or, like, anyone... That was there with children clocked it but this wasn't like it was like a pub that you know like you might go to for a a, like a tea time visit and bring a child and do you know what I mean like it wasn't it wasn't the kind of pub you wouldn't expect to have children in so it wasn't the kind of place if it had been like 3am kicking out time of a nightclub and some guy whacked his willy out I would think what an embarrassing person but I was so fucking shocked and I was so shocked that no one in his group was like you need to go home now like imagine if if my husband... I can never imagine him doing this. No, in I don't want to. But if he did that, I would be so fucking fuming. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, you absolutely... in the all thought it was dead funny. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. And I sat there thinking, like... People do live in entirely different worlds.
0: Yes, they and do. And like, that
1: is so inappropriate. And yeah, it's, wow. it's funny but it
0: wasn't
1: yeah either. i know what you mean and i was like wow who is he to think that that's okay is absolutely disgusting and i have been thinking about it all fucking week the audacity <coughs> the confidence in some weird fucked up way
0: well yeah i guess i mean if that had been on a street at the same time yeah then he would have been arrested yeah so why is it okay, like you say, in front of children in a pub um, and stuff?
1: Wow. Uh, I don't think any of the staff saw. There wasn't a huge amount of staff in like, it was like a, one of those pubs that's like a U shape. Right. Okay. Um,
0: oh, I'm sorry. That's my belly
1: <laughs> There wasn't, it wasn't, didn't seemingly happen at a time when there was lots of staff about. Like, I hope no staff saw because if they did, they should have
0: kicked him out. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think the fact that he wasn't kicked out confirms mm. that no one saw it, but that's just fucking hell. I don't like penises at the best of times, no. never mind when I'm having a quiet shandy on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. What a dick.
1: But the bands yeah. were decent. um oh, so is
0: she going to book them? Yeah. How but the
1: impromptu penis was horrible.
0: Anyway, that's. I think uh, inside of a Greg sausage roll is uh, just visually, you know, accurate for yeah. our, for our listeners. It really was. Mm. I was wow. stunned. Anyway, that's
1: anyway. my uh, interesting story of the week for you.
0: Bloody hell! Oh, I'm just I'm just looking at a notepad and there's like a what looks like blood. It's not blood. It's um, red velvet cookie bites. Holy shit, game changer! Oh my god, fucking amazing! From. Like the little uh, America. Got them from Grandad Jim's. Oh yeah. Got treated to like a stock of American sweets. Yeah, yum. Um, they're like that big, mm. so super tiny, like the size of a rebel. Yeah. Uh, red, red velvet, but inside is is cookie dough. Oh.
1: Yeah, those are nice.
0: Oh, so good. My belly's rumbling going, Feed me more, feed me more.
1: <laughs> well, you're compacted as um one of those shots yes, here, so indeed.
0: Okay. Um I'm trying to think what else a little bit of an admin. Just wanna say hi, welcome to our new listeners and followers. And if
1: they've got through this like thirteen minutes of
0: absolute drivel, they deserve a, a thank you and a welcome, I've got to say. You do, well email us your address and we'll send you a pin. Uh, yeah there you go that can be a reward um yeah just so thank you very much for supporting us and obviously to our regular listeners that come back every week thank you so much you're the ones that deserve a medal um what i was going to say oh it's actually get we'll get serious now yeah definitely uh five years since the Manchester bombings, yeah, the Ariana yeah. Grande concert. I can't believe it's been five years. I can, no. but I also can't, if you know what I mean. I it's... feel
1: like having the pandemic has distorted time. Totally. Usually. I was
0: having this conversation with somebody the other day, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, very sad. Um, there was a young lady from Leyland, actually, wasn't there? Yeah. Safi Rose, who mm. sadly lost her life, very, very young, so very, very sad. Um, what else, oh it was also Katie Kenyon's funeral on Friday Got I all... don't know if
1: we mentioned Katie on the yeah we've before. mentioned her
0: a couple of times um, just obviously with what, with her being quite local and yeah, what was happening she,
1: um, went missing from the local area it was really widely covered mm-hmm. um, all over the UK and sadly she was her body was found not too far from where she went
0: missing really. Yeah, yeah. Just it, it looked like a very um an apt send off, shall we say. Yeah. Really nice. Lots of people there, so yeah, thoughts and prayers with their family as always. Um so today we're gonna do two small cases. Both are unsolved I believe, aren't yeah. they? Yeah.
1: Yeah, um so last week we did Sherry Papini and while researching Sherry Papini's case, I learned about the case of Tara Lynn Smith. And I felt that it was quite a shame that Sherry Papini's case got so much bloody coverage. And obviously, you'll mm. know why. I mean, we've just added to that. When Tara, who was a actual victim of crime, um didn't seem to have as much coverage, so I thought that we would talk about her today. However, saying that, I did want, part of me did want to make it into a really sort of a big, chunky episode, uh, Chunky episode. um, however, the amount of information that's out there that's, like, definitely true, mm-hmm. um, and isn't speculation on a Reddit thread, um, was quite minimal so it is just a a smaller episode however i don't want to disparage reddit because so interesting and um a lot of the things said on this case are like totally believable and like seem to come from well thought out rational people but obviously it is reddit so um i didn't want to base an episode around an idea that somebody had you know what i mean yeah so um Shall I start, then? Yeah, go for it. Cool. So, like I said, the reason that I decided to do Tara's case is because she was linked with Sherry Papini. When Sherry Papini um, went missing, in air quotes, it was sort of um, the reminded people in the local area of are Tara going missing because they went to the same school and they went missing from a very sort of similar area. So... Tara was last seen leaving her family's residence on Tracy Way in rural Reading, Shasta County, California. She was going for a jog in between 5 and 7pm on August the 22nd, 1998. Now, she was a young girl um, with sort of everything going for her and um, really beautiful.
0: Oh, bonnie, yeah. Yeah, proper
1: proper body young girl. She actually um, worked at a place called Oasis Fun Centre. That in some places is reported to be a parents like business, Um, but that was just a Reddit thread thing. So I'm not sure whether it was. But she was supposed to be working there at seven, and she had decided to set off earlier to kind of fit in some exercise before she went to work. Tara was the eldest child of Terry and Marilyn Smith. She was homecoming queen and arm wrestling champion of the school, which I just think is like a fucking perfect combination. If you can be homecoming queen and arm wrestling champion, you are cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, She was only 16. She was like an avid journal writer. So she'd write like everything down and she loved writing anything like it was just a passion of hers. But yeah, writing about her own life, what she'd been up to and stuff was something she did a lot. She was great at basketball and she'd just taken up taekwondo. She was a student at the same high school as Sherry Papini had gone to. So I hope you've listened to that episode because I think I'm giving away (laughs) bits of it here. So, it's August the 22nd and Tara Lynn went out for a job and she never returned. Um, Marilyn, her mother, drove around looking for her whilst Terry tried calling all his daughter's friends and no one had seen her. And this just wasn't like her at all, so panic started to grow um, for the Smith family. But then, um, not long after, one of Tara's friends that Terry had already called called back and basically said to the parents like I think you need to know I think Tara is having an inappropriate relationship with the taekwondo teacher and maybe she's with him like mm. so the taekwondo teacher was called Troy Zink and Troy Zink was 29 so she's 16 he's 29 Um, he had a wife and a child and it wasn't the first time that, like, Terry, Tara's father, had heard about him because it was obvious that Tara had, like, taken a shine to him because she'd mentioned him quite a few times, like, more than she usually would and mm. um, saying, like, how good he was and how smart, you know, like, things like that. And, um, Terry, her dad, had said, like, he felt a bit jealous and um, just that, like, she thought this this guy was so cool and yeah. she, he was like, oh, I'm cool kind of thing. Not like it, not in yeah. a weird way at all, but like he was like oh, like this, oh, like she's got another father figure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously it it wasn't quite that. So um, it was just three hours after she went missing that the parents had received this phone call from a friend, that checked everywhere that they thought they could, so they told the police and, um, the police were just quite slow to move on this investigation. They were like, oh, 16 year old girl, she's probably out partying, she's probably this, probably that." Like, they just didn't seem, like, particularly arsed. Um, and not like, it was the 90s, but I feel like just historically things seem to have not been moved on as quickly Mm -hmm. as they are these days people seem a bit more aware of how important the first sort of 24 hours can be so by the time they did sort of start to really put like police power behind um looking for her she'd been missing 41 hours so it wasn't like they were just like okay we'll keep an eye out for her like no one actively went and looked for her from the police force
0: yeah until she's
1: been nearly missing two days yeah the
0: first 48 hours are the most
1: important yeah i've then. actually put uh, 41 out of the first 48 <laughs> um so a local newspaper um called the record searchlight which was like yeah like a very sort of local newspaper to that area and usually ran things like missing people or like it was just a way to get the word out really quickly um so her parents went to them for help in uh like finding it but they didn't act on that for like three days when they could have so it's just they seem to have been like let down and not taken seriously from the beginning which surprised me because she's young white yeah pretty she's all the things that normally get a lot of media attention but it just it just didn't happen and like the reports that followed were somewhat sort of muted and didn't convey the urgency that they should have at all but um when the police did start looking into what could have happened to her more of her friends came forward and were like you need to check out this Troys Inc guy so Troys brought in for questioning and he doesn't deny anything the friends are saying he just sort of plays it down you know like oh she was infatuated with me um these things happen (laughs) like he proper just played it down Um, But he did admit that he'd seen her on the day that she went missing. So he said that she had called him and asked him to meet up with her, which he'd agreed. He said that Tara had asked him for $2,000 and he assumed it was because she wanted to run away. But when he asked her why she wanted the money, apparently she got really angry and said, like, you don't need to know that. I'm just asking you for it. This doesn't make sense. Like, I'm very aware this doesn't make sense. And he... Yeah, he said that she was, like, really angry with him and just said, can you drop me off on the Great Oregon Trail? Which he said he did. So she was in his car and he dropped her off. He said after that she just ran off she was like i'm going on a jog off i go and then he said that he went up to hang glider hill so this is in the local area but it's a huge fucking area and it's like um it's quite a desolate in places it's yeah a huge area he said he went up hang glider hill and he stayed up there for five hours praying so nobody could account for where he'd been.
0: Movements.
1: Um there was bits of the hill that weren't even accessible at that time, but the police said like if he really did want to go up that hill, he could have got up there somehow and just, but like no one seemed to really fucking look into it properly. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, he says he did this and like
0: So he definitely did. That's yeah that kind
1: of um Lassadaisical investigation. Oh, nice word. So, after Tara went missing, her parents like fucking looked through all her things because they were like, we need to know what was going on in our daughter's life. And they found a letter in her bedroom. And the letter was from Tara to Troising, but it hadn't been sent. The letter said that she wanted to end their relationship, but it contained lots of details that the reader would understand that this had been, like, a very inappropriate relationship. And, yeah, this letter was, like, she wanted to end it. And the family are certain from this, and, like, the other things I've already said, that Troy must have had something to do with Tara's disappearance. More things have come out about Troy, too, and he'd actually served time for rape before this. Um, His studio was actually searched... where he lived and the police found loads of weapons in it and these weapons were actually in violation of a parole that he was already on um and it meant he got sent back to prison for four years but once the police had got him for these like weapons charges they didn't bother investigating him in relation to Tara anymore they said that they couldn't find enough evidence to link him to Tara's disappearance. And to this day, Troy Zink has never been charged with anything in relation to Tara. He served his four years in prison and now he is out there. Apparently he's changed his name, mm. um, which you think he would. However, there's some more things that I have learnt about this case but I could not find anywhere that really substantiated them particularly Um, it is said that after the evening of which Troy was up at a mountain praying for five hours supposedly he went and got his car fully validated oh and uh, yeah like the police didn't think this was particularly suspicious her parents believe that this letter was kind of like a practice and she must have either sent a different letter or met up with him and told him she wanted to break off the relationship and that made him angry they don't believe that she asked him for money at all and she is like she's never been found there's never been any any remains nothing like Clothing she was wearing, absolutely nothing. She's literally disappeared off the face of this planet, and I think it's proper disgusting that Sherry have got so much investigation. Um, yeah. Although it's it's good they did because then obviously they found out the truth. But there was so much urgency around her case when there wasn't around Harris, and it's interesting that there wasn't that much urgency.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Because she seems
1: like the kind of victim that would garner a lot of public attention. So some people have actually speculated that maybe there was someone to do with law enforcement or in a high-powered place that didn't want this to come out and that Troy was just a red herring Obviously not a clue, but her her parents believe it was troising. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot, a hell of a lot of circumstantial evidence.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: I think I've I've heard of people getting convicted on less than that.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I, I'd be interested to know. Did he have any connection to law enforcement? Like, was he? Like, did he have a family member who was high up? Like, I'd love to look mm. into this a bit more, because... Totally do. Like, Yeah, I like, just, like,
1: why? I'd love maybe we could do, like, a little recap oh, of why I think the next show found on it. Because it's a bit, um... It's a bit disappointing that, that I couldn't
0: find more. Like you said, though, it's really unusual mm. that they just failed to act. And she is, like, you know, the like a... A suitable poster girl if you know what I mean yeah. so there has to be something that's yeah. stopping them like why have they not checked the mountain I know it's a big mm. area like from what you're saying it's a huge area but surely that would have you know been yeah. one of the first things
1: within like there's quite a sort of large radius of where he could have got to
0: because
1: mm. he'd have had sort of so he was missing for five hours yeah, as an account Five of hours a long So time. he could have driven anywhere, sort of within two hours. Yeah. And got back.
0: True. Yeah. That's really disappointing mm-hmm. for, for Tara, really, isn't it, and her family though that she's just been dismissed. It's yeah. really sad. So there we mm-hmm. go. Um, that's sort of a bit more. There's um,
1: like there's still uh, you know, like we have missing people in the UK. mm Hmm there's um like charities and things like that that are still putting Tara's face out there in the US but not to the degree that I think you know like is it Maura Murray yeah and like there's certain names that I know
0: yeah yeah and i can't believe i didn't know about her i've never heard about her until you mentioned her last week Mm. so yeah it's interesting that isn't it and it's um shitty that troy's ink is still out there yeah Mm.
1: like my money would be on that he has something to do with it but like you said it's strange that
0: it is it sounds like he's been afforded a level of protection yeah. that I'd be interested to find out why, for what reason. I suppose
1: there could have been anything going on with the law enforcement at the time. We don't know how well um, how well staffed it was, but do you know what I mean? It could be something that's... Tara is just um, very unlucky that there wasn't a focus on that. Or maybe they didn't want people to... Think that that area was a dangerous area, so try and keep it hush hush. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it could be something else, but it's it's. I do
0: strange. Al- I do always think in cases like that though that there is a wider reason, mm-hmm. you know, because for why it hasn't been more reported on. Because mm-hmm. surely, you know, why didn't they get the FBI involved and things like that? It's just very mm-hmm. unusual. Yeah. Hmm.
1: But her parents are really vocal about, Mm. um, keeping sort of her memory alive. So definitely one that I would encourage you to look into. Mm. Anyway, please crack on with your case.
0: I will do. Well, my case is slightly similar in a way, but it happened a very long time ago, um, and it's set in Finland. I don't think we've ever been to Finland. Before. We have not. Now, Finland is famous for being the happiest country in the world. Yeah. Um, apparently it has the world's best education system and the cleanest air. So, cool. way to go, Finland. Um, so yeah, as I said, a little bit similar. It's a young girl um who went missing. Um, unlike Tara, they do fact they did find her her body. But it has never been solved and nobody has ever been sort of held accountable. Yeah. So this is the case, and I, I apologize in advance, there's a lot of Finnish words and places, mm. so I'm probably going to massacre some of them. Um but yeah, this is the case of Olli Kaliki sorry Okay. So it's it's an absolutely possibly one of Finland's most famous I think that cases. Was very well pronounced, to be honest. Oh thanks. Properly. So, I'll start off by telling you a little bit about uh, Kaliki. So, full name Orly Kaliki Sari, but she went by Kaliki, which I think is a super cute name, actually. (laughs) So, Kaliki was born on the 6th of December 1935, um, and she lived with her parents Aino and Vilhelmina and five siblings. And this was near the village of Isajoki in western Finland. So the Sari family owned a farm uh, with some land and a small area of forest and they were like a very close-knit family and they all worked sort of the rural landscape together so they made their living from the land. Um, Now Kaliki was said to be lively, sporty and a happy child despite uh, growing up during the second world war. So she was a religious child who attended church and wasn't as interested in participating in like social activities outside of the church. So like her um, siblings used to attend dances and things, but Mm. Kaliki was kind of a little bit more reserved. Um, So she did have like a few close friends outside of her siblings, but she like never had a boyfriend and had allegedly told like an older female friend who lived in the same village that she had no interest in men and did not want to get married. Okay. So in the spring of 1950 Kaliki, who was 14 at the time had quite a serious um, cycling accident. So she'd fallen from her bike and she suffered uh, quite a serious concussion. She was laid up in hospital for two weeks and bedridden for a further four at home. And after the accident, Kaliki uh, like complained of like a buzzing or humming sensation in her head and she regularly suffered from headaches. So and the after effects of this accident were like so severe that she was forced to give up her education and she was actually still suffering like from this years later so i think she had to go for tests and things Mm. just to see if they could improve it for her so on this on september the 1st uh, 1952 what are you giving me that first is that why you're okay uh on the 1st of september 1952 at the request of the parish pastor Kilicki began working at the office of the local Evangelical Lutheran Church in Isajoki. Um, Kiliki had actually been confirmed as a member of that church just two months earlier and it seemed like despite her like not completing her education and you know suffering from the after effects, she cracked on and she really shone in the role. So she appeared to really enjoy her work and to get on well with her boss, the pastor. So much so that Clicky occasionally even stayed over at the Parsonage. Now remember, this is the 50s. It's, you know, the area that where she lives is quite rural, so if she ended up sort of like working late or having like a, a late Bible session, for example, she would likely stay over. Yeah. And the same could be said for like friends. You know, if she went and met a friend and it was really late instead of yeah. cycling home she she crash over so on the 1st of may what is so wrong with tell me come on
1: nothing it's just it's just a very specific way that you say
0: it okay assault victim um on the 1st of may 1953 the pastor moved 25 miles away um to work at another parish and Kaliki continued to work in Isojoki, but the friendship or like mentorship, whatever relationship they had, it continued and they used to write to each other quite regularly. So on Sunday, um, May the 17th of 1953, 17 um, year old Kaliki went to church as normal, and on returning home at about one o'clock in the afternoon, she said that she felt like quite tired, a bit worn out, but she'd have a rest and she would still go to um, like her youth prayer meeting which had been arranged in another village like late that night. So at six o'clock, um, she said bye to her mum and she left to cycle the 40 minutes south to uh, Corteen-Kyla village schoolhouse where the like prayer meeting was being held. At around 10 o'clock, the meeting, like, had finished and Kaliki and her female friend Meiju, they set off for home. Now, it would not have been fully dark at this time because even at, like, 10 o'clock that far north in, like, the middle of May, the sun doesn't set until, like, half 10. Wow i don't know if i could cope with that i quite like you know like i like it to go dark and i'm like mm. oh it's you know it's night time one now. of my
1: favorite things is going to bed while it's still by no i i feel like i've beaten the
0: system well there you go you need to move to finland you'll you'll feel like a constant winner i wake winter. up and it is
1: just a race to get back to bed
0: so um meiju and kaliki lived in like different directions So, they would actually have to park company, um, say, just over two-thirds of the way. Um, So, the girls, like, separated at a fork in the road at about half-past ten. And Kaliki set off to cycle north on, oh, my God, um, Kahadjointe Road, which is an unlit dirt road flanked by forest. So, like, that would be quite disconcerting i imagine and Meiji would actually later say that kaliki seemed nervous that evening about the rest of the journey um and but she'd reassured like her friend and probably herself that you know everything was fine and off she's there but perhaps it was kind it was quite prophetic because she never made it home so Kaliki's family, they hadn't been initially worried when she hadn't returned home after the prayer meeting because, as I mentioned before, they assumed that she'd stayed over at a yeah. friend's house. So on Monday... No one's texting anyone to see where they are, really. Not at, No, not then. Um, right, so yeah, on when she didn't come home on Monday, they assumed that she was staying over in Isajoki to be close to, like, work. But then they actually heard from the parsonage on Tuesday evening that Kaliki hadn't been at work. So that's when they really yeah. started to worry and they reported it to the police. So on the on the Wednesday, there was still no sign of her and the police organised a search of the area. So they were really, you know, it happened quite quick. As soon as they found out she hadn't come home and she was actually missing, they really stepped into action. Um... So they searched the area where Kaliki and Meiju had sort of like separated, um, and this was conducted by around thirty men, but they found no trace of her. So the next day, a larger search was organised, and this was involving six hundred local people. And they again searched all the areas where she should have been or should have, you know, gone via, and they found absolutely no trace of her. So as You know, the local area sort of started to hear about Kaliki being missing. A few people came forward. Uh, A local man who was nicknamed Ty Jaska, which translates to Road Jaska, um, who was a road worker, he came forward and said that he'd actually cycled past Kaliki in the opposite direction at about 10.40, and this was around, like, a mile from where she'd left her friend Maju. So, technically, it was looking like he was the last person to see her alive. Two more locals, a farmer and a son, they also came forward to say that early in the morning um, of the Sunday, sorry, the Monday, they had spotted some, like, car and bicycle tyre tracks and there'd been some broken glass on the dirt road where Kaliki had seemingly disappeared So the police continued searching, uh, all the local people were involved and they didn't find anything until the 22nd of July. So a couple of months later and two local um, fruit pickers, a grandmother and a granddaughter, actually found Kaliki's bike and it was submerged in the remote Lelu Laxo bog. So this is less than half a mile from where Kaliki had been uh, allegedly seen by this road worker. Mm-hmm. Now the valves on the tires had been purposely like removed so that the bicycle would sink yeah. into the bog. And what was quite unusual was that the bicycle was found in an area that had already been previously searched. So it and it was in good condition as well. So it kind of made it quite unlikely that um, it had been there all that time. Yeah. And as well, the fact that it was in good, in, good condition sort of also meant that Kaliki, you know, hadn't likely been involved in, like, a car accident, you know, or, like, hit or run over by a car, you know, where the tracks and the glass had been found, which is kind of what I was thinking could possibly yeah. have happened. On Friday, October the 9th, um, this is two and a half months after the the discovery of Kaliki's bicycle, a local man found her right shoe uh, and her sister's chiffon scarf, which she would borrowed to wear that evening that she went missing, and a man's sock were found inside the shoe. And again, the shoe had been there for quite a while because the moss underneath it was, was like, dead... So, but again, um, it, that area had been searched uh, and I think trees had been planted by workers and they hadn't been, this hadn't been noticed again. Mm. So it was like, has it been placed there like the bike after yeah. some time? Um, more searches were organised, which I think is really impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still looking for her. Um, and on Sunday, October the 11th, a 26-year-old farmer who was taking part in the search along with hundreds of others from the local area found something, and it was kaliki Her remains had finally been discovered. Her father and her older brother, who were part of the search party, actually identified her. Um, she was buried in a peat bog, um, and this was around, like... 630 feet, like through the woods, from the road that she had been cycling along the night that she went missing. Um, Kaliki's coat was wrapped around her head, um, and they sort of assumed that her cause of death was likely uh, either blunt force trauma to the face, so her nose and her cheekbones had been broken, or she'd been suffocated. Um, her body was naked from the waist down. But obviously, because of the time, it, it couldn't be determined whether or not she'd have been a victim of sexual assault. Yeah. Now, a really weird thing. A thin, sharpened pine branch had been driven into, like, the boggy ground to mark the spot, and the stick had actually pierced her body. And it seemed like it had been placed as a bit of a grave marker... Yeah.
1: That's mad, it must have been so sharp and so strong to pierce the body. Well,
0: exactly. Mm. Um, and again, it hadn't been noticed during the previous yeah. searches and it appeared to have been freshly cut. And I'm not sure how, but they managed to determine that it had been actually sharpened by someone who was left handed. Mm. Now, um, one of Kaliki's elder brothers. Esco, I think his name is, because she's the second youngest child of five. um He had he was the person who carried her body away from the swamp. Like if you can imagine, a huge, like hundreds of people, yeah. including children, he's carrying his sister out from the bog where they've discovered yeah. her. It's really sad. Uh, a few days later, Killicky's left shoe was was discovered. However, her wristwatch, her red cloth purse, and her hymn book have never been found. Now, her funeral was held um, at Isojoki Church on the following Sunday, um, October the 25th, 1953. And she. it looked like she had a really lovely funeral. Um, like, flower co- flowers were covering her coffin, whole family were there... Um, it was actually filmed by a Finnish national broadcaster. Wow. It's a, it's mm. a huge huge deal, um, and it's actually estimated that twenty five thousand people attended her funeral. Wow! Like it was a massive, which is a, apparently four times the local population. Mm. So it really impacted. Uh, it was a massive deal. Um. So yeah, she was buried pretty much opposite the main door of the church as well, like yeah. a real sort of like a reverence to yeah you know, like to a, her. I
1: was gonna say like a prime spot, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Um. So like I say, it's a massive, massive case. Low, like the police really, really like put a big effort into trying to solve it and find you know the responsible person. Over the years, it's estimated that they interviewed um, about 5,000 people and there were 370 different lines of investigation. Um, They really like they traced former residents, you know, like people that had moved out of the area. They just really, really wanted to solve it. But unfortunately, no one has ever been charged in the case. Now there are quite a few suspects so I'm just going to quickly take you through them now. So the main suspect was the pastor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could tell from when you mentioned him.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I feel like if you look into this case he's definitely um he's definitely like a prime suspect yeah. from what I've heard. Um so yeah, he He was obviously her employer, he spent a lot of time with her, but it was actually um, uncovered that he was known to sexually assault underage young women, including his parishioners and servants. Three years after Kaliki's murder, he was actually sentenced for having sex with a 15-year-old girl. Um, Had he possibly sexually assaulted Kaliki, you know, who knows I do find their relationship strange to be fair, I really do Um, he does have an alibi so that he was ruled out by the police he'd been at a church event about 40 miles away uh, on the evening that she vanished he couldn't drive um, and about 20 minutes out of the, the evening isn't uh, like, he hasn't got an alibi for, but the rest, like, just 20 minutes yeah. and not not really long enough to get no. there. Um, and he has multiple alibis. Mm-hmm. There's been um, quite a lot of speculation about this character, um, and one author does believe, or well, probably more than one author, but he basically believes that they were having some kind of sexual relationship. I don't want to say relationship really because I'm pretty sure he was abusing her. Yeah. But um he does think it's possible that the pastor could have made it mm. over there. I mean, he's in a position of power. I would probably think that his parishioners would not believe that. Yeah. And perhaps gave false alibis, but like I say, the police ruled him out. Another um, suspect was a local man called Vittori. Now he was in his mid to late thirties at the time of the murder and he was working as an odd job man and a ditch digger. Um, He was an alcoholic who had mental health problems um, and he had like sort of history of antisocial behavior. And he did have a criminal record for sexual assault. He was arrested, um, but there was a, there was some, like, I think he, as part of his interrogation, he did say that he thought that Kaliki was dead and that her body would never be found. Now, whether that was just a comment, yeah. you know, but anyway, his mum provided him with an alibi, uh, and he was never charged, but was later institutionalised due to poor mental health. So who's to know? Another suspect was a 35-year-old ex-policeman. Now, he uh, he was arrested and questioned. He had allegedly been seen in the area in a cream-coloured car, which was similar to a car that several people had seen near the crime scene on the night in question. Mm. Um, He again had an an alibi, he'd been out drinking with friends on the night in question, not near the local area where Kaliki went missing. Another suspect, the black bearded man. Now he was a local man in his 50s with mental health issues. Um, He often visited the parish office where Kaliki worked. And he had been known to sort of uh, refer to her as his bride. So he had... Did he have, like, an unhealthy obsession? He was known to harass local women. Was he just, you know, the local weirdo, or was he something more? Uh, Again, he was questioned by the police, but they couldn't prove any... You know, that he had committed any crime um, or that he was guilty. So... He was never like never charged, and he died in a psychiatric hospital in the seventies um the final main suspect uh with an appropriate name is Mr. Hans Asman oh. Now he has also been named as a suspect in the Lake Boden murders. Have you heard wow. about lake Bowdoin? uh believe for. Four teenagers who were murdered whilst camping next to the next to Lake Bodem. It's a massive case, mm. perhaps we'll cover it at some point. He was out driving in a cream-colored car again, which had been mentioned by some uh witnesses near the area where she vanished and when his ex-wife actually claimed that when he'd come home he had been missing a sock and had wet shoes right now she also claims that he'd left home a few days later with a shovel um but she didn't make these claims until a very long time after Kaliki's disappearance mm. so was she um just trying to get her ex-husband in trouble or was there something more to it now he he died in 1997 and on his deathbed he actually made some quite cryptic comments to um, a policeman and he said one thing I can tell you straight away because it's the oldest and that kind of accident which had to be covered up otherwise our trip would have been discovered even though my friend was a good driver the accident could not be avoided you know what I mean so the person um this policeman who was a a, a biographer as well mm. that's why he was talking to him on his deathbed um they he sort of took those comments to be about kaliki so had Asmund's driver hits and injured or killed her with the car yeah. um but again like that doesn't sort of tally with her perfectly preserved yeah, bike. bike and also the uh, injuries that she sustained—you'd expect to see a lot more physical injuries on yeah. her body. Um, and, like I say, he died in 1998, so it would seem that unfortunately, this will likely never be solved. No, too much time a, has passed. Whoever you did it, He's probably dead now. Yeah. Now, like I say, this is, I would really recommend there's some really good articles on this. Is I think Generation Y do a really good podcast. Oh, I do like them. Yeah. So they do, no doubt, an, a, a much better in-depth uh, covering of this case. Different type of covering. Of course. Stay safe out there. Yes, please do. Bye. Bye.